This is the Workplace Podcast with your host, William Corliss, brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation, your external learning and development partner. Each week, we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who are subject matter experts and are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team and organization. In this episode, William is talking with author, consultant and speaker Lisa Bragg. Living with the name Bragg, Lisa has had to master the art of science and self-promotion. She has seen when being too humble has cost international deals and when bragging right has unlocked opportunities leading to untold fortunes. Lisa helps high achievers of all sorts to be seen, heard and share their value with the world. She then takes it a step further to show leaders how to help less visible people on their teams to do the same. Her book, Bragging Rights, How to Talk About Your Work Using Purposeful Self-Promotion, launched as a bestseller in May 2023. It is based on insights from Lisa's career as an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur and consultant. Lisa's clients include top 100 financial service firms, professional services, governments, associations, entrepreneurs and not-for-profits. Lisa Bragg, welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So our conversation today is all about self-promotion at work. So before the podcast, you were taking a picture of me because I really enjoyed this book. I have sticky notes all over it. And on the inside of it, I have made a note to myself, Lisa, where were you when I started my career? You would have saved me a lot of hassle. So when I write notes on my books, that was it. So yeah, thank you very much for that. Oh, you made my day by showing me that picture, though. It was just, you know, an author wants their book to be, at least myself as an author, I want it to be highlighted. I want it to have dog ear marks on the page. I want all of those things. So you just made my day. Thank you. (laughs) I think they're all there. Okay. Some listeners might be saying, okay, self-promotion, brag by name, brag by nature. It's easier for you. Is there not negative connotations when it comes to bragging? Oh, yes. Oh, You know, I have my own experience, but I also did research around it. And a lot of us say what your audience thinks. It's icky. It's just not something that we're meant to do. And we're so often meant to just sit back, put our heads down, do good work, and eventually someone will notice you. But uh, growing up with the last name Bragg, it is my name from birth. And I realized when I was about 13, that word meant something to other people. I'd get the eye roll when I would show off my gold stars or talk about my successes and be on the honor roll. So I learned quickly that actually success means something to different people. And so maybe I should tone it down and hide myself a little bit more because especially when you're young, you want to fit in. You don't want to stand out. So I learned quickly about that, about 13, that you know people have an issue when you show off your success. And people are going to be interested in this, that how can you make a full book out of bragging rights? And you have dissected this apart to educate us in so many different 
ways. So your research that you have done there, you have different aspects to it, like bragging, self-advocacy, humility, modesty, culture and society. So we're going to go into that in, in the podcast. And you mentioned people's difficulties in the book with self-promotion. And you might say, if I just get one more certificate or credential or a client, that's going to make all the difference. Will that make all the difference? Yeah, it will not. And that's what so many of us, it leads to burnout and that busyness of just one more thing. And part of it is that we are hiding our successes. And part of it is that we think we have to be just that much more. And meanwhile, people who are not you are getting further ahead. They don't have, they might've just watched two Ted talks and read a book and they're seen as the expert. Meanwhile, you feel like you have to get more and more and more and more and more to feel validated or to let people know, because we just put this markup so high to share with the world, all of our successes. But I advocate that you want to start showing people along the way your successes and not wait for that milestone. So start thinking about moments instead of just the milestone of that next certificate or that next thing. But so many people, we just think we have to have so many more things and you're already good enough. You're already that leader expert right now. It's time to start talking about it and not wait. Not, don't wait for another gold star. So you speaking about gold star and there's people now listening to this and they're kind of going, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. Why do we have such a difficult relationship with self-promotion? So I'm thinking about in my head in, in Irish culture is who do you think you are or your show off or in your book, you talk about a poser or too big for their boots. There's all these different things. Why, why, why do we see, feel so uncomfortable? You know, yeah, we do feel it. And I think it's, um, it goes back. So a long time ago, we were all part of agricultural societies. You know, we were on the farm and our kin could see exactly what we are good at. So you didn't have to start talking about your successes. They could see Lisa should definitely not do this, but William should do that. So they could see that. And so we didn't have to talk about our successes with each other, but we talked about our successes as a group so that we could could continue to thrive. So right now we're in such a time of talk about your failures, but we did used to talk about our successes all the time. And I think it's really important to think about that is talking about our successes as a collective. And then fast forward, we moved into factories. You know, we moved into this factory system and the hierarchical system was much different than what we had been. Yes, we had come from a lot of rural societies, but it was, we were so spread out. But coming into cities and factory systems, I think that's really what changed our conversations around successes because you did want to just be a cog in the machine and you wanted to put your head down and you didn't want to be noticed because you wanted that steady paycheck. So it's the times have changed though. No longer are we part of these factory systems. We're in this now the fourth or fifth industrial revolution where we're in the imagination economy. We don't even know which which one we're in right now because things are moving so fast. And we're not just, you know, working with people who are at the next bench over to us in the factory system, but we're working with people who may be well, across the world, you know, we're all over the place now collaborating and competing with people. So people need to know how you are here to serve. And I think it's good for me to drop in what I, when people hear bragging, we do get into the self-aggrandizement, but bragging means is to talk about your successes with pride. 
And the word pride is loaded for a lot of people. And pride, I want it to mean, it also means self-love. So let's give ourselves that pat on the back and talk about our successes because it's about how we're here to serve. When we brag, it's telling the world how we are of service. So that's one way of getting rid of the ickiness. It's about being of service. And language that you mentioned is really important uh, then. So you educated me on the different parts of that. So you talked about self-aggrandizing, uh, modesty, humility, and reputation. Can you tell us the differences then between all of them? And I can go through them again, just in case I forget. <laughs> well, that's, you know what? We often think that bragging is self-aggrandizement. We It's just such a big word that we dismiss it. And so bragging is this really, this well of all the ickiness that we don't want. But self-aggrandizement is, that's the put down. That's the, oh, I'm better than you. And I'm looking down on you attitude. And that's that's where we feel that really ickiness that we think bragging is, but it's not. It's not that put down of people. So self-aggrandizement is the word when you feel that somebody's putting you down because they're talking about their successes. That's or they're puffing themselves up is what it is. They're puffing themselves to be beyond what they really are. And that's the ickiness that we feel. And then um we often talk about humility. And so many of us, we are already, we have but too much. Like we're already, you go first and I'll, I'll go second or third, or, or I don't need to have my voice at all. And so we, we hide ourselves and we think of servant leadership right now as a big term. And yes, we are here to serve, but we get this idea that we are like a servant just here on the side, ring the bell and I'll come in and I'll be silent and I'll do whatever you need. And then I'll go back to the side and, Oh, did you notice me? And we let uh, someone else be in control of us. And we don't have that self-advocacy that we need to. So it's not about being a servant. It's about being here to serve. Um, I talk about reputation because so many of us believe that we have to go to our reputation for everything, but our reputation, yes, it's very important. And I know all of you have a great reputation already, but that's of the past. And in this time where we might want to pivot or we want to go into something totally different, whatever it is, you need to think about marketing to your future and not worrying about your past and your reputation. It needs to be good, but sometimes we also falter. And so we need to just be able to stand on where we are today and move forward. And that's what bragging and self-promotion means. And I'll just, because we're doing some definitions right now, I'll just define self-promotion for you. So bragging is that success that you want to share with the world and self-promotion is how we deliver it. So self-promotion is being on a podcast. It's sharing an email of our successes. It's calling someone it's being, um, on a TV show. So it's all the different tactics that a brag can uh, be supported by. It's letting the world know. And that's what self-promotion is. And I, I like then you have also given us a the term for modesty then and given us an explanation for that because you see this as a social trap as well. Yeah, yeah, it's to, it is because we're taught to be, so many of us are taught to be modest and to hide ourselves and that modesty. Well, I always wonder who who's making the measure of all these things. And I think that's mm -hmm. my challenge of, even though the term bragging rights, 
like who gets to set the challenge of this? Who gets to set the bar of our modesty and, and how we dress or how we think in the modesty level? And of course, there's social norms around it. But so many of us, if you look in the dictionary, modesty for a long time always meant along with women's dress. And so it was like, well, who's who's part of this conversation that's setting these terms? And that's where I challenge a lot of the conversation, you know, if, if you that's this part of in the book where bragging violates modesty norms. And if you were that great, your work would speak for itself. Well, well, who's going to speak for my work, but me, and I'm not close to all the power. So who's going to, who's going to be that advocate for me. And so it's that self-advocacy piece and saying my work is good enough to be seen and be heard. And if I have to continually work on it, that's what leads to the burnout factor for so many of us. So yes, you're already good. Time to tell the world now, instead of waiting and waiting and waiting for that next level. I think too, we always keep pushing the bar. William, like, like the goal keeps moving way out. So you get to that one piece to go back to our beginning of our conversation, you get to that one thing and then you've already stretched. And so your next goal is further ahead. So we need to start putting out our successes immediately. And we have to start stretching beyond these modesty norms that are from past eras and that are set to keep some people in their place. I think it's a time for the change now. And speaking about change and you talk about maybe some self-limiting beliefs, then I'm going to talk about some of the myths then associated with undervaluing ourselves. So you said waiting for someone to promote us. There's other ones then like cream rises to the top or wait till you're chosen or wait your turn. Tell us about those myths. Yeah. Well, we're taught those things all the time, you know, like the meritocracy idea behind it. And while meritocracy sounds so great, like the cream rises to the top, there's the shadow side of it. So if you don't rise, are you not good? And that's not the way it works. We know that networks and connections and relationships really do change the story for the world of work. No matter what, it does influence in some way that you went to some school or that we have some sort of connection in, in it. So, so that's where, yeah, all these myths that come in, um, you know, wait your turn, uh, put your head down, do good work, and eventually someone will notice you. I think that's my favorite one. It's such a myth because you know what? Those people want, yes, you're doing good work, but they want you to continue putting your head down because then they can take the credit and move it forward. So, so the myths are, there's so many of them too, of that people shared with me of what they heard growing up. Um, you know, there's the, another saying that's, uh, the tallest nail gets hammered first, or the other one is, uh, the tall poppy syndrome, which so many of us have where it's like, so the tall poppy, one of my friends, uh, Dr. Ramit Billen has done extensive research on it. And it's that if you have a tall poppy, they will come in and lob that head off. They will lob it off. So it's all uniform so that we're all in place. And so, so often that person who's standing out, who's doing great things, uh, they get cut down. So they're fearful of doing something something new or putting themselves out there or asking for that stretch assignment because we're so taught to be uniform and stay in line and know your place. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous for the person. And it's also dangerous for the organization because when we're taught to minimize ourselves and play small over and over again, we're not 
coming up with innovative ideas. We're not willing to risk anything to let the company know that something is wrong. We're not willing to go out on our own and say, I have a new product that I want to bring to the world. And so all those things start to happen and they keep people playing small and we shouldn't be doing that to each other. Instead, we need to say that person has something, let me help amplify them. So yeah, these modesty norms, these play small attitudes, it's just not serving us in this global world that we live in. And I do believe in standing out. And I also believe in fitting in. It needs to be both. So we need to both fit in and stand out. And that's the difference between when we're in school, we wanted to fit in. And now we need to, as people in the world of work, we need to also stand out so that people know how we are here to serve. And then through that, then they'll say, hey, William's the person to do this. Let's bring him in. And it's going to make all of us better because of that. And then we partner and then we build new things together. That's so insightful. And there people might be thinking about their own workplace now. And they might be thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I play small or tall. Poppy syndrome is happening in my organization. Is how might I recognize it is that my managers say, listen, I'll do the talking in the meeting, or how might how might that look like in the workplace? Yeah. So, you know, often we do give our work to our leaders and they are the ones that do need to speak. As a leader, I would often say to you, and when I work with leadership, do let your people talk. So let them shine because it comes back to you Mm. and you have to take baby steps to get there, but you'll see it in a workplace where it's like, people will put you down. They'll steal your credit. In my research, I found, I think it was 75% of people have said their credit has been stolen. So somebody, it's not just, I've given it to my leader so that she can present it because we're part of a team. It's no, someone else has taken, peeled off my name from my inbox, put it in their box and put their name on it. So 75%. And so they're not being seen and heard. And that's why I really advocate for, for claiming credit in the book. It's not in the book, but you know, there's no I in team, but there is I in credit. And we need to start being able to say, here's the credit that I deserve. And in the book, I give tools on how to do it in a way that doesn't cause squabbling. But for the tall poppy, you need to look around and say, are are you punishing people who are succeeding and achieving by any of the backroom chatter that we hear? Are you looking at people who are only right beside you or who only look like you or have the same attitudes who go out and schmooze with you after, after hours? Are you only collecting those people along the way and elevating them? Or are you looking across the organization and saying, who's really someone who should be amplified and stand out? And how can I help them through, through all the influence that I have? So there's so many things that you can do to help the tallest poppy, but it's looking to see, are we that kind of culture here? It's really that self-reflection from the leader and saying, am I doing this? And then is anyone else amongst us doing it and having those conversations that take curiosity and courage, but curiosity to lean into and say, are we doing that? Because it's something that we're taught as children too, I think it's that, and maybe it's when, maybe it's when we're teens, but it's that scarcity mindset that there's not enough for you. I don't know if it's true of the same, this current generation, but back in our day, there is more, there's only one seat at the table. And so we would put each other down and the reality is there's abundance. There's, we don't even need to think about tables anymore. There's opportunities. So moving beyond that scarcity mindset. So 
I can't let her get ahead of me to moving to there's opportunity for us. There's abundance. And maybe she's going to get ahead today, but as she goes up, she's going to bring me along or as she comes down, I'm going to bring her up again. Like there's opportunities for us to think beyond that old way of scarcity and uh, move into a place of abundance. And I think that's what the tall poppy is. One of the symptoms of not thinking that there is abundance in this world and we need more thinkers. And you mentioned Shine Terry, and I loved that. And you, you talked about sistering up as well. And I love this quote by Abby Wambach. Her victory is your victory. Celebrate with her. Your victory is her victory. Point to her. So tell me more about Shine Terry. What is that? Even you just saying that just gave me goosebumps. It's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? It's so good because, and you know what? I really believe that when we shine our light on other people, it will come back to us amplified. So whenever you have a guest on your show, you're shining the light on us and then we promote it and we share our audiences. And then the light comes back to you because people will say, yes, he is the expert. He is the leader. He is the visionary. So it's really about not being afraid to share the spotlight with others. And let's get rid of the idea of a spotlight and let's make sure we're sharing our time in the sun with everyone. And that sharing our successes isn't just one of those things that should come out of the darkness once in a while and we get our time in, in the spotlight. No, we should be talking about successes all the time. So it's really about how do we make sure that we're pointing to someone else and saying they are successful. And I like I, the sistering up term so much, and it's a construction term. So who knew, right? So it's really where a joist is weak. We need to have something that builds it stronger. Sorry, a floorboard is weak, and we need to put something underneath it to make it stronger. And that idea of let's make something stronger together, I think is just something that's really powerful that we should go together and build each other up instead of the whole tear each other down kind of attitude. So the shine theory, I just love it. And I think I'm trying more and more to make sure that on social media, I'm trying to put out like hashtag send shine and things like that, that we can do for each other. That doesn't cost us anything, but just promoting someone else that we want to shine. So just send shine to someone else and find them. It's one of the easiest ways to self-promote without feeling the, the concern of looking like it's like, look at me, look at me. Feature someone, put their put the shine on them, but it will come back to you for sure. And I liked that aspect of co-promotion you talked about in your book. So how do we co-promote? So especially if it's in a team, then, and I love that term which you talked about earlier on, uh, there's an I in credit. How do we give credit to others or how do we give credit to our team? How does co-promotion work in our team? Yeah. So there's, there is a lot to unpack with that, but it's really about how do we make sure that people are sharing the credit and that they can allow themselves to, first of all, take the credit themselves and then look to someone else. And so there's the others technique that I mentioned in the book too, that really does help illustrate how we do this. And it's about that we, you know, put the shine on other people that we allow other people to celebrate us that because so many people don't know how to say thank you. If somebody celebrates them, we go into right away into self-deprecation mode, but it's allowing others to shine the light and share the light with you. So that co-promotion 
description is really how do I make sure that I'm not just claiming all the credit, but other people have done pieces of this work. And so I can stand in what I've claimed credit and say, here's how I'm here to, to serve and here's my credit. And then also I'm going to point to this other person and said, they were on my team and here's something they did too. So it's making sure that there's more um, credit claiming. We see so many people who just claim all the credit. And I think that's, those are the people we get really afraid of being. And so to say, well, I deserve credit for this and here's the credit I've, here's what I've succeeded in. And then here's someone else. That's also someone that you should, should celebrate. So there's pieces to it in the leadership chapter about how to really set the stage for sharing credit and how to help everyone to, to shine through the other's techniques. So yeah, I feel like that was almost a non-answer because there's so many pieces to it. There is there's so many pieces. And again, what I liked is, is how different people or different efforts contributed to your own success. That was a really good one. And that brings me to this whole notion of your professional brand. So some people might be allergic to this. And something that really helped me about professional brand is, is what do you want people to think or to say or to feel about you when you leave the room? What's your thoughts on professional brand? Some people are very allergic to it. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we talk about brand so much and you'll hear what's your brand and personal brand. And so I really had the distinction of, you know, we have, if you're, it, it's kind of been sullied the idea of personal brand because we've seen it so much through influencers and they're selling, you know, makeup or photography businesses or travel. And so it kind of becomes this weird place because I'm, I'm not out there trying to really, you're not necessarily selling anything. You're giving your knowledge away. And then through giving knowledge, then people will come and find you. So it's, I don't use the word um, personal brand. And I'm not a big fan of the word brand at all because you're humans having a human experience and you're here to help other humans. But we do want to show up in a professional context and send those signals. So people do come and use us and purchase from us and promote us along the way. So you do need to have a professional brand and that's really standing in your values. What do you believe is valuable. We are now signaling our values to the world because there's so many of us by letting people know, here's how I'm here to serve. And here are my, here's my point of view. Here's why you should work with me. And it's because we have these overlaps or I have this thinking that you really need and sharing your values with the world really does then allow people to say, yes, I'm attracted to you through work. And here's, here's an opportunity for us to, to do something together. So I think it's, it's a lot of that, but whenever I hear professional brand, it's always like, oh, it's a little icky for yeah. me. And it's like, what does that mean? I don't want to be that influencer, you know, trying to get you to buy something, but we are influencing each other all the time. So how do you want to show up in this professional space that we have through all the social media that's in the professional realm or in the world of work that you want to show up and let people know, here's where I want to go. So we have to have these ideas solidified. So we're sending out the signals to people and not just doing it on a whim, but doing the self-reflection and the exercises to make sure that they know where you want to go. Because I talk about in the book, we want to market where you want to go. And that's why I don't want us to always worry about our reputation. Your professional brand is signaling to people where you want to go in the future. And that you introduce us to the concept of social currency and social proof. I love, I love that you're educating us at all these different terms that gives us insights to self-promotion. And so let's go with 
social currency? What What is that? Yeah, it's all the little things that you're adding up. So we need to make sure that we're, it's again, going back to credit. It's like, you need to start putting things out there so people know that you're the person, you're putting it away in the bank so that as you build up all these things along the way that people will remember that you're the person. It's also collecting your ideas along the way to say that here's all the things that I've done. Instead of often we wait till something happens to say, hey, here's my resume or here's my CV of all the great things I've done. And that's a trap for us. We need to be collecting our social currency, putting things out there along the way so that people know us and can remember us. It's also a good thing that if you falter, that you've been putting things out along the way that people will say, well, no, she's built her, built her brand. She's built her ideas. She has all those social currency in the bank. We know her as this. And so, yes, she made a misstep, but we know her already as this. And so then you can make your misstep and people will likely say, she's not always like that. This isn't the thing. There's there's room for you to have an issue. But if you haven't put out, here's how I'm doing good in the world along the way, and then you have a misstep, it's even, it's even more, it's harder to come back from. So building a bank of social currency will help you to, to go further, farther, faster. And people will then, you're earning trust along the way instead of thinking, oh, I need to build trust now. It takes time to do these things. So social currency is about earning people's trust along the way instead of saying, oh, well, you know what? I need a new job. I'm going to, I'm going to send out all the social media today and get something going. It takes time to build and earn relationships and it's earning, not building. And I think the difference is, is clear, but happy to talk about that more too. Yeah. And and you talk about social proof because I, I love this work from uh, Robert Cialdini. So that kind of helps people verify who you are. So for example, I do this through articles or testimonials or radio or previous clients where you, get, you have to speak to William. Is, is that what social proof is? Yeah, it's not waiting till you need that proof. And so it's collecting those testimonials along the way. So we wait until we need them. Hey, can I use you as a reference? Or hey, can I uh, you know, copy and paste that? Can you write a testimonial for LinkedIn? It's doing it just in time as people remember you and collecting that social proof, collecting the pictures. You know, you mentioned I took a picture of you with the book and with all, all of the bookmarks and the highlighting. It's so exciting to me. Well, that's social proof that someone is, is reading my book and valuing it. And so it's taking that and then I'm going to have that. It's like, that's a piece of social proof, social proof. And that's good for me to have, but then I can send it to other people and say, look, people are reading the book and they're actually yeah. reading it. Social proof is to collecting all the artifacts. So you wrote an article, collect that. You are on a podcast, collect that. Social media, collect that. Screen grabs of all the things that collect so that when it comes time, you have this social proof to show somebody else and then you're amplifying it. William, I bet you have so many people who come on your show, they're guests, they spend the time here, and then they don't necessarily amplify it afterwards. And so we do the work, we spend the time, and then we don't do anything with it afterwards. Yeah. There's one woman I know who wrote an article and it was featured in a very popular American magazine, and she didn't tell anyone. And so you need to amplify your social proof. You need to collect it and then share it with people too. The amplification piece of all the hard work you've already done, it's important to, first of all, have it collected and then also amplify it. And that's where I'm now going to return to you earn it. So when you were talking about self-promotion, then 
you were saying you have to be strategic about this. This is where you go, that lady that wrote the article could have amplified herself, didn't. So if I'm in the workplace, so, you know, I, I, I want to be very practical here for our listeners. If I'm in the workplace, what are the ways then I can start building up my profile or uh, start being strategic or earning that social currency? Yeah, it depends on the complexity of your where you work too. I did have somebody post on one of social channels. He works for the American Homeland Security and has a very complex job. But being able to talk about his strengths internally to the people that matter, it's helping him out. So I was so happy to see that post because the complexity of your job, a lot of people will say, well, I can't do anything with that. But you can, you can, this isn't about social media and screaming it from the rooftops and getting in, you know, Harvard Business Review, there are small things that you can do can that can really make the difference in your career. And some of those things are just even who is your audience knowing that I need to let sure make sure that my leader once removed really can see me shine. And so what can I do to think about that person and to share my whatever I've done with them? And so is that, you know, sending an email to my boss and that the leader once removed and letting them know, is it making sure that the leader sees my strengths in some way? It's forwarding my leader thank you notes that I've received from our clients or from my colleagues and letting them know. It's really important. And one big thing I tell people is start collecting your brag book today. So your brag book is all those are all those things that people have said to you. And, you know, I don't want you to necessarily go way back in time, but collect today all the things that people are saying about you or the credit that you think you deserve because your leader needs to see that information. Your leader is always so busy putting out the next fire onto the next goal, having to answer for something. So if you can come in and say, here's all the great things that people have said about me and here's what I believe about myself that brag book can really help your career go further. And again, you don't need an audience of a million people. You just need an audience of one, that one strategic person to really help influence your career, to be that champion that you really need to move the dial for yourself. And that's something I would do personally is I have a folder, it's just testimonials, but then I have it allocated because of my audience then. So if it's on negotiation or critical thinking or leadership or coaching or high performance teams, whatever that I'm doing. And then I have a specific testimonial or a screenshot or something like that to go, actually, you might be interested in this when I'm doing a proposal or, or something like that. And that brings me up to different negative associations then, because then people will say, and this is where you're educating us as well. And this is where the allergy will return. So, Brace yourself. Uh, one-upmanship, competitive bragging, humble bragging, grandstanding, moral grandstanding at that, self-depreciation and fig jam. You educate us in all of these terms. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot more to the negative consequences. This is what's the barriers, isn't it? Yeah, these are the barriers. Yeah. So tell us about that. So where do we begin? One-upmanship is a very thing where people are allergic to, especially in social situations. Wait, I tell you my story, you know, or I've won better. Yeah. And then that gets fatiguing for people. And then on the flip side, we have one damage. Like it's like that. Well, no, my life is worse than yours. And we keep going down this rabbit hole of like, no, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. Or, or the moral, like it's people start to then another one is that they think, well, 
it's almost the off with your head. It's like, I'm outraged. Well, no, I'm outraged more. And we have this competitive outraging situation going on in the world now too, where you see different things happening. So that's where we keep getting this grandstanding idea that's like, no, 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 I'm more you know, offended than you are. And we're ratcheting up this attitude of being this moral grandstanding. And it's, I find that fatiguing, you know, that, uh, that attitude. So there's, but self-deprecation, it's a two-pronger because so often we'll see our leaders, they'll have self-deprecation. They'll say, you know, they'll put, make fun of themselves. They'll put themselves down in some way. And it's funny and it can be really funny, but not all of us, especially if you're not in power, you can't wield self-deprecation the same way. It comes off, it comes off pathetic. Yeah. So you have to watch at, if you're self-deprecating, are you a person in power or or you have, does someone have power over you or do you, are you power under someone else? And the power mo- moves really do make a difference. And in chapter th- 13, I do go into that a little bit more because a leader might be showing off that they're self-deprecating and then a team member might turn around and she might do the same thing and it makes her look worse. And, and so looking for s- listening and looking for self-deprecation is critical to helping your team shine and critical for your own self-reflection. Am I saying... I'm not good at this and putting myself down so that other people will like me or is it, and what am I signaling when I do that? And I really caution everyone against self-deprecation unless you are the CEO beyond the CEO and just need to have some, you feel like you need to take the wind out of yourself a little bit. But if you are not in extreme power, watch the self-deprecation, no matter how many laughs and chuckles do you get, because you're actually demoting yourself in people's eyes. And you might think that it's funny and they're laughing back at you, but they're laughing in a way that isn't going to help fortify your career. And you think you're being authentic and real with it, but it's actually, people are taking it the wrong way. So that's, that's such a tricky one for people, self-deprecation, unless you're a trained comedian, I think. (laughs) Like, really, it's not a good one. And and that's the balance that we're trying to get, isn't it? We're trying to celebrate successes. We're trying to communicate that it's okay to fail. And how do you get that balance right? So it is about saying something that's safe enough, that's showing its growth mindset and list, listening and learning rather than, you know, I'm the, the negative connotations or signals that I'm sending out that a weakness that could be exploited or... It's role modeling something that I don't want to unintentionally uh, start happening in my organization. I think it's really, we all should know that we're built on the shoulders of giants. Like other people have come before us and said these great things and we have collected this information and we are building on each other. And so knowing that and starting for, from a position that allows us then to keep going higher instead of trying to bring ourselves down. So I think that's a big piece of it is we, this audience already knows that, but how do we keep going higher instead of bringing ourselves down to this lower lowest denominator that some of this, you know, failure and risk conversations, like we're becoming so afraid of talking about successes because everyone's talking about failures, where it's like, we're going backwards and it's, we've swung the pendulum too far because we're so afraid some people have just been talking about their successes so loudly that there hasn't been enough oxygen for other people. And so what I really want is for all of us to start being seen and heard. It's a fundamental part of being a human. And so more of us that are sharing our voices, it's not just that one vacuum of those people who get to talk about their successes and the rest of us 
are just the worker bees forever. And so I want more people to share through being a beacon and a signal their successes. Because I think we're just, we've been celebrating so few people for so long that we're in a bit of a trap. And that's where people are like, well, no, talk about your failures. So you're, you can show that you're, you have humility and you're authentic. Well, that's very few people way over here. And the rest of us, we have we can't talk about our failures until we learn to also talk about our successes. Because if you just talk about failures all the time, and I jump into the conversation and I only ever see the failures, well, I'm not going to know that you actually have 99.9% successes that I should know about because we're so stuck in talking about the failure loop that we're in right now as yeah. a world. And it's it's it really putting out a lot of lights who should be sharing their voices, but are afraid of the backlash about sharing their successes and bragging about themselves. So let's talk about fake jam then. What is <laughs> fake jam? <laughs> That would make your show, well, I, you know, it's the F-bomb. So it's yeah. F-bomb, I'm great, look at me. Uh, I, I actually, I didn't get that right down. I think you have, probably have it in front of you, but it's, 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 it's hey, I'm so great, look at me. And yeah. the example that I didn't know it either, but the, it does totally make sense because things are about context. And so the example I give is, you know, a, a friend of mine, she does the interiors of super yachts. And these are the super yachts that are, you know, hundreds of millions, maybe a billion dollars nowadays. And so she was talking to somebody and he said, these people look at them over there. They're saying F bomb. I'm so great. Look at, you know, look at me. And, um, or just ask me, that's what it's <laughs> just ask me is the part of the jam. And so they're talking about their yachts and he's, the worker in the yacht yard and he's hearing them and it's like, well, they're talking about themselves and look how great they are. But meanwhile, they're talking amongst each other in context. And so everything is within context. I was once on a plane ride and I was listening to the women behind me talking about where they are going. And I was like, wow, like they're just like the money and the this and the that. It's like, ah, but because they are having a conversation within context of each other, they had, they were able to build and say, well, you should go here and you should meet this person and you should do this. And so they were helping each other. Meanwhile, as the eavesdropper I was, it would have sounded like, oh, well, they're all puffed up and talking about themselves and they're so up here and who do they think they are? But it was within context. Yeah. And so it's always context that matters. And we can't worry about the people who are listening in those eavesdroppers like yeah. I was or the guy in the yeah. in the heart in the in the yacht yard, the harbor. Um, because it matters to the people that you're trying to signal to. They matter because what we're listening to, we're not the audience that they're trying to talk to. And so you even having a book or even having fresh water to some people, like that's that's in context. That's not a right thing. Like, so it always matters the context that you're talking to. People have more in this world than others. But if we are, are always talking about how little we have or have nothing, we're not then able to have influence to help other people who are behind us. And so that's where we get so worried about, can I make sure that I am controlling your mind? So when I say this, you're going to feel it the right way. And it's like, we're not mind readers. And we can't control each other. So we have to talk about our successes in a way that serves. And we can't worry about how it's received. You're saying it in a way that is, yes, I 
know that someone else has already paid for this world that I live in and done great things. And here's how I'm adding to that conversation, but I'm not worried about, well, what are they going to think? Like, what will they think? You know, it's all context, like your family, they might even think you're gold or who do you think you are? And that's a big thing for a lot of who do you think you are? It's like, well, you're not my audience. And so when I do these things, you might think that I'm being all puffed up, but my audience, they want more of it because they want to learn and grow. So it's all context-based. Yeah. Do you hear yourself? Yeah. So (laughs) we, we talked about context and then we're going to move to culture then. And we kind of tipped on this a little bit. So I'm going to ask a, a risky question here. Do men get a pass? Oh, you know, and so I'm always challenged on this one. So I really think there's a lot of lot to intersectionality. And so intersectionality is, yes, you can be a man, but you have all these other things that that mm. is baggage or, or, or part of your part of who you are. And so you might be a man born into poverty. And so one of the people I talked to in my book, he, you know, he is an American man, a white man, but he was born in a lower socioeconomic class. And so he has a hard time with talking about his successes because of that, because culturally he was taught, you just don't do that. And a lot of people from lower economic classes, they are taught to follow the rules. And so bragging violates modesty norms. So therefore, then you can't talk about your successes. And so that's where I really think intersectionality comes into play and that do men get an easier pass? I think men, it might be easier for a lot of men. And my research showed that a lot of men said they believe that women have more penalties for doing so. So that's, that's the interesting part. But I think a lot of men, a lot of men have really resonated with this work. So while I wrote a lot of stories focusing on women, a lot of men are identifying with it too. So I don't want to dismiss that it is a challenge for all of us to share our successes. But I do worry that still women, because of this scarcity mindset that a lot of women, there hasn't been a lot of uh, seats at the table and a lot of women say the tallest poppy happens to them. So I think there's still these cultural nuances that say, yes, it is harder for women to talk about their successes, but I do think men have had a challenge with it. And um, I also don't believe that we should constantly diminish voices. I think there's room for more voices and not that some people should be silenced. I think that some people need to use their influence to then help the people that may have been silenced in the past. And if you have the microphone too often, and you know that about yourself, then sharing the microphone, especially when you, you can't go to that microphone to speak, share it with someone who isn't the likely person that would get to the microphone. So it's not, there's a glorious Steinem quote. It's not that I should give you my torch. It's that I should light your torch. And then we have more people with torches to light the way to the better future. And so that's what I really believe. And so if you are a man with privilege, make sure that you light and become a champion or a sponsor of a person with less with less opportunity. And it could be some, it could be also a male from a very low socio socioeconomic class or a woman from from whatever uh, area. So that's that's the answer because I really believe we can all do this together. It doesn't have to be a either or or, or it can be a yes and conversation. Yeah, I like that yes and and this is where I was coming from is if someone in here listening 
to this podcast is kind of going, how am I going to get a promotion at work? When we talk about culture and context, it's a fuzzy area, as you mentioned in your book, and it's learning how decisions are made. Or and you mentioned the research with Google then of how they kind of figured out, well, why aren't people and women specifically getting promoted? So tell us more about if I'm looking for aspects to figure out how people get promoted at work and I want to get promoted, what should I be thinking about? Well, it's really, how are you signaling your successes? So at Google, they found that a lot of women weren't talking about success in the same way that men did. So men were quick and, you know, going back to how we're raised though, a lot of us were raised in an attitude that, you know, women are supposed to be about community and passing the microphone where men are often taught to be individualistic and to stand in their glory. And so there's a bit of that. And so leaning into curiosity and making sure that you are showing your successes, no matter who you are, show your successes and let your, let whoever you, that you want to let me say that again. <laughs> it's really making sure that you're signaling to the people that you want to influence. So if there is a hiring manager and you're not working under him right now, starting to get in his silo, reaching out to him before you need, and this is that social currency, before you need to know him, you're reaching out to him in advance and letting him know that you exist and getting in his social networks and getting in his, in it. and that's where this is all a long game that you have to play starting today. And you can't wait till you need to do these things. So start signaling where you want to go today to that person that matters. And so often, again, people think that this has to be a social media play. It doesn't. You just need an audience of one and starting to communicate to him or her what you want and where, where you want to go. So it's collecting the proof. It's letting them know where you want to go. It's letting people around you know that you want to do this thing and developing the language around that and making sure that your social media platforms, I do recommend everyone go on LinkedIn because people check out your credibility, making, make sure it's up to date and that you're contributing in some teeny tiny small way, but it's there so that people, when they check you out, they can see your credibility from the past that you have done these things, but it's signaling where you want to go. So make your LinkedIn for that one person that you want for the future yeah. and not worry about but my reputation doesn't match where I want to go. You can do some self-reflection. I have things in the book, but you can do some self-reflection to say, this is why it does tie in to where I want it to go. It's your story. Just recast your story a little bit to signal to that leader. Hey, I want to work with you. And here's, here's what it looks like. And the more we're in each other's view, the more comfortable we get. Oh, I've seen your name before. I've seen yeah. your name and it's that sending out signals of familiarity is, is one of the first things to do. And I like that notion then, and your book is full of these ideas and resources. And then I read this term, braggitude. Lisa, did you make this up? <laughs> no, I wish I had. It's so good. And it, it was one of the last things, like my editor, my book, you know, it's a nice compact book. It could have easily been 80,000, 100,000 words, but it's it's around the 50,000 mark. So it's, it's digestible and there's lots of activities that yeah. you can do. But it was one of those things that it showed up and I'm like, oh, I have to, what, how did I miss that? That's so good. So it's bragging with gratitude. And that's one of the simplest things that we can say. We can have our brag plus gratitude. And that's the opposite of a humble brag where a humble brag is, 
a, you know, your brag plus a complaint. Don't ever, I didn't want you to banish the word humble and anything you write or do, but it's really about, I have gratitude and here's the gratitude around it. So here's success plus thanks. And that's a nice piece of it. So there's also shoy, which I love that too. It's sharing in others joy. Like let's have some shoy, like let's share in each other's joy instead of bringing each other down and worrying about it. It's like, let's have that gratitude and choice. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> You're very welcome. It is a piece. <laughs> and, and, and I want to uh, educate people on this then, right? So we'll say you're, you're encouraging people to go on LinkedIn. Okay, so there's yeah. two aspects I want to go to this. So the humble brag is, it's a bit like, uh, so lucky to be here today, but I have to stay up all night to do this work or, you know, what are other examples of humble brag? So we might recognize ourselves then maybe. Yeah. And it, we see it so often it, on the social posts because it's, or, or you'll say, you know, oh, I was up so late because uh, I had to pick up this award or I have to go dress shopping and get this award. Yeah. And it's like, or we have to say, you know, something bad first and then, and then a good thing because we want to diminish the brag. We don't want to feel like we're putting ourselves in the spotlight. And so that becomes problematic. And so there was, um, for a while there, a, uh, on Twitter, uh, like a whole humble brag scenario where people were putting like the complaints out. So, you know, had to go to Taco Bell on the way to get the award, or I'm driving in my, you know, Rolls Royce, but I, you know, had to fill up with this kind of gas or something like, like silly things are really highlighted in it, but people will post these things and then put something that diminishes in it, diminishes it. And so don't do that. Don't diminish what you've accomplished and what you want to show. Often those are about, because I want to show off. And so that's the difference. You don't want to show off. It's how I'm here to serve. And so showing off is that here I am in front of my yacht when you're only a person in the harbor versus, you know, here's something that I is of service to other people. And so that's where if you take away the idea of being show offy and think about, is this of service to other people? And sharing your award is of service to other people in multiple ways. It's when I say, you know, I won this award and I'm thankful, right? So when you say, and you stand in that, I won this award, it's the easiest one to go to. And so many of us, we either should be nominating ourselves or nominating each other for these awards, but we need to share that we've won these awards because then other people can see how we got there. And that's critical to having more people achieve success and not success be in a silo. So when I say I've won this award, full stop. Like I've won this award. We don't need to diminish it in any way. And that's often what a humble brag does. And it's so cliche now because we've seen it so many times where it's like, I'm going to put it here or put the word humble. And then people yeah. think it's like, oh, I'm trying to diminish it or, and just don't do that. It, people can see right through it. So stand in the award. Don't humble brag anything. Just own it. One more thing before I forget. Um, and you mentioned there about self-nomination there and is that what google did actually they changed their promotional practices where pe people could nominate themselves and then it was like oh i didn't know you were interested in the promotion because we expect people to meet mind readers right yeah so you're not a mind reader your leader is not a mind reader the people who are giving away an award that you have to apply to they don't know you so you have to put yourself out there to be seen and heard Self-advocacy is a big part. And we've, so many of us have been told, well, let your leader 
run your career. Just hit, hit what is the term? It's like uh, hit yourself to the stars. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to climb the ladder. You have to do the work yourself. We can't wait for other people to bring us along because we don't know what they're going to be up to. So you need to do this work yourself. And so many people, all those awards, they're nominating themselves. And you think, oh, well, they posted, oh, I, I appreciate the nomination. Well, they did it themselves. <laughs> like, they just don't tell you that because it seems gauche or like it seems wrong to do that. But no one else is going to do it for you. And a lot of those big leadership awards that you see your employer winning, you know, best workplace, a lot of those are driven to by you pay a fee to play. And you have to judge if it's worth it for you. But so many things are paid to play or self-nominated. And so I think it's once you take that, uh, those blocks, Blinders off, and you're surprised at that. I'm sure so many people are going to be surprised. Like, wait a minute. No, they encourage self nomination on these things because they know everyone else is too busy to fill out that work. Or there's no way that someone would be able to fill out all those forms for me because they ask personal questions that only I would have the answer to. Yeah. So a lot of people, and if you really feel bad, get a friend you know, shine sister up, get someone else to help you with it. And you do it for her, do the same thing, do it together and, and put, put the other person out there and you'll be surprised at how many people are doing it. And last thing, just before the social, we leave social media, then some people say, I have to have the perfect statement or for me, when I was doing videos or the podcast, it has to be perfect. And I love this from Tina Fey. The new perfect is 75%. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, Tina Fey uh, talks about, um, yeah, Tina Fey is just great. And I think it's just that we wait for everything to be perfect before we go out on stage or we wait till the show, you know, she, so she's from Saturday, Saturday Night Live was back in the day. And so the great comedy hit and they went live and you had to be ready to go live. And some things are going to be good something simply won't be. And she uses a funny term and I'll let you, I'll let you say it, or you can find it out yourself. But Tina Fey's like, something's going to be gold and something simply won't be gold. And so you just have to go and know that sometimes you're going to bomb and sometimes you're going to be really good, but we have to just go through it, mine ourselves and find those good pieces and put them out there and be willing to say, that's okay. It's not perfect and not ruminate on it. Cause you know what? I ruminate so much. Like I'm like, I'll do do a speaking gig or a workshop. And I'm like, is that, was that good? Or a podcast? Was that good? And I'll let it spin in my head. And if I let it spin too long, that's going to hold me back from doing another one because we are, nothing's perfect, but we wait and we measure ourselves on these really high bars. Instead of saying some things are just going to be, I, <laughs> I'm so tempted to use because her phrases are so good, but it's not necessarily for work audience, but it's just that it's not good. And you just have to know that sometimes you're awesome and sometimes you're not and just show up tomorrow and do the work again and keep showing up and showing up and showing up. And then you're going to keep moving the dial for someone else to see. And Lauren Michaels also from SNL. The show goes on. We have to put the work out there and some of it will fail and some of it will succeed. But we have to keep putting that work out there for people to be able to see it and not let our failures weigh us down, but allow our successes to keep coming back and coming back and sharing those with the people. So many of us wait till we have all this perfection behind us, but perfection's elusive. And that's where it's, we can't have it. I'll wait till I'm hundred percent 
and wait till everything's done. And I have my, my nails done and my hair quaffed, or I'll wait till (laughs) I'll wait till my website is done or the book is written. Don't wait, show those moments. Now show those mistakes if you feel comfortable, but show the things today so that we can build upon it and move forward from it. And I think that's a great point you make in the book as well as don't tie your self-worth to external validation, especially when it comes to social media. If I just get one more radio interview or TV interview or in the paper, it's all about building up that social currency, isn't it? Yeah. You can't wait. You can't wait because people need to see those things. So you'll get more, when you have more media, you'll get more media. But, you know, I had someone saying, oh, I'm going to delete all my YouTube videos from the past. And because I'm so much better now, it's like, you know what? People know that where you were in 2010 is not where you are in 2023, 2024, 2025. They know that. And so I don't believe in deleting everything. It's where we were in the past, as long as, you know, you're not outlandish, but we're building ourselves. And that 2020, 2015, you might've been valuable to someone else. And you might've shared something that was really good. That's why, you know, all of your podcasts, like it's great things for people to come along on the journey with you and see how our, our thinking evolves and grows. And that's where we're ever evolving people, but to wait till you have that next certificate, that next social post or worry that no one engaged with this. I'm, I'm a failure. I'm stopping all of it because no one engaged. People are watching and listening more than you think usually. So we're very much involved in our own lives and caught up with ourselves. So we might see your post, but, and we might like it, but we might not actually hit the like button or comment on it. So, but in a year they might say, oh yes, I remember that post. Uh, I'm going to send work that way. It happens so often to people. I know they think that no one's watching, but people are paying attention. Just, they don't think that their like or engagement matters today, but they're collecting the information along the way. They're building up that social currency of you in their mind so that one day there is an epiphany of, yes, this is how I can use William, or this is how I can use someone. And that's, then they give you the opportunities that you already deserve and desire. And that's the thing. You already deserve this work. You already deserve it. But by letting people know, here's how I'm here to serve, then they know that they should give you that work. So Lisa, I'm going to take this opportunity now and I'm going to improvise here is I'm going to shine a light on you right now. You have been awesome today. And if people were to find more about you, your book and your awesomeness of bragging rights, how might they do so? Thank you. That's the thing. When someone celebrates you, you have to hold it and not start to go down that, oh, I made so many mistakes, all the things that are going in your brain. So say thank you and look them in the eye. So thank you, William. Thank you for having me on the show. If you want to learn more, um, I'd love you to come to my website, lisabragg.com. It's Bragg with two Gs. And uh, find me on social media. Again, Lisa Bragg on all the channels or that Lisa Bragg too. And I do have a link that I can share with your audience that they can download uh, some tools that will help them get their thinking going that uh, that is still independent of the book. So it's uh, Lisa Bragg slash listener-love.com. And I'm sure you'll have the link for them there. And and follow me along because I follow along with me because I do want to see you and hashtag bragging rights and I'll amplify your post for you. So I think the more we're all seen and heard, the better this world will be. Lisa, you have shined brightly today. You have done a brilliant podcast. And to our listeners, thank you much for listening in. 
Thanks for listening to the Workplace Podcast with your host, William Corliss. Our special thanks to this episode's guest for sharing their expertise with us. If you found this episode valuable, please rate and review it. For updates on future episodes and to get in contact with us about any workplace topics, please follow Yellowwood on LinkedIn and Twitter at Different Paths. As always, you can head over to yellowwood.ie for any other information. Yellowwood, your external learning and development partner, provider of executive coaching, facilitation and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team and organisation.